morning, everyone. It is a blessing to have the opportunity to be here with you again. Um, I just wanted to start by saying uh, thank you for your appreciation this month. I know Pastor and Aaron and I both would say that we are very feel very appreciated from you as, as a church, Eureka Bible Church. So thank you for, for last week with the meal and all the cards and the kind words that you said uh, during this month. I, I feel very appreciated. Um, just wanted to to brag on our students for a minute just here at the beginning. Um, so I could say a lot of things about what our, what our students have done, um, whether it be academically or sports or other things like that, but I, I wanted to highlight um, how much our students have engaged with this, uh, previous, this, this current season or series. We're getting ready to finish it this coming Wednesday night. We've been going through Rebecca McLaughlin's book called 10 Questions That Every Teen Should Be Able to Ask and Answer. And it covers topics like racism, gender, sexuality, and this past week, a very heavy topic of the idea of suffering. And just to watch our students read God's word, to ask questions, to think through the different topics, the hard things that, that we've discussed. I've just been very blessed to be a part of this church that so many parents are discipling their students well and, and also that the God's, God's work and the Holy Spirit is speaking through our students. And so I'm very thankful uh, to have the opportunity to be the, the leader of that ministry. And I'm very thankful for the students that we have in our ministry here at Eureka Bible Church. This morning we are going to continue in our series in James, and I just want us to be reminded uh, this morning of kind of where we were going from last week, because it kind of really leads into where we are this week. So last week, Pastor Aaron was talking about the passage in James chapter 2, the second half, talking about the idea of faith without works is dead. And we, we discussed how because we're new creations and we are Christians that we aren't saved by our works, but our works are part of who we are as Christians. We live those things out in our lives because we are new creations. And because we have that understanding, it leads us this morning for James to help us to understand a specific way, and there are other ones coming in James, but this one specifically this morning is beginning to tell us, how do we live that out? How do we live out the idea that faith without works is dead, that we have to have action-based faith? And today we're going to be talking about a very fun topic, and that's the idea of taming the tongue. I'm going to talk about our speech and talking. This is one of those topics that we can step on toes all day long, but I think it's important for us to see what God's word has to challenge us about our speech and our tongues. So if you'd open up your Bibles with me, we'll be in James, the beginning of James chapter 3. I want us to see in this passage that I think that there is an overall context that James is starting with in verse 1. So I'm just going to quickly read verse 1 so you get a, a feel of where we're at this morning. James chapter 3, verse 1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So we see that there's a, a narrow, there's a, a full context here of the idea that he is speaking about the tongue and about speech when it comes to the idea of those that are, are teaching. And so often when this sermon is preached, we could think about that maybe they're talking about preachers and teachers, people that are standing up here speaking in the pulpit or even Sunday school teachers and stuff like that. But if you look at verse 2 with me, it says this, for we, are all, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So what we see here is two things. One, that there is a context he's speaking directly to people that are teaching, but secondly, he also says in verse 2 that we all stumble in many ways when it comes to specifically speech and our tongues. So it's speaking to everyone. But I also want us to be reminded this morning 
that it's not just speaking to pastors and those that are standing in the pulpit when it talks to teachers. What does it say in the Great Commission? We are all called to teach, right? We are all to teach. Maybe it's in your home as a parent, or maybe it's a Sunday school teacher, or maybe it's just daily life of sharing the gospel with people. We are all called to teach about Jesus. And so our speech does matter, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight, or this morning. So, so last week we talked about the idea that our works matter. Today we're going to talk about that our words matter. Taming the tongue, the idea that our words do matter and how much they do matter. So that's where we're going to be this morning. So those are the first two verses. If you would follow along uh, going further in verses 3 through 6. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guard their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great is the forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. The tongue is a, is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. So I worked a job, um, a side job, at the beginning of my time working here at Eureka Bible Church, writing book reviews for a group called Accelerate Books. So you all know that I love to read books, and so one of the ways that I can help people is by writing book reviews and doing those type of things. So I worked for a company for about a year and a half doing that, just writing about one book or two book reviews a month for them. And I, I learned as I was reading, as I was writing those book reviews and doing those things, the power that words can have, right? When you're writing a book review, when you're talking about a book, the types of words that you use bring great power behind them. But there's also things in this life where we can use words where we can break people down with, with slander and gossip and hurtful words that bring people down. And so this morning, this passage is reminding us the power of words, how what we say, what comes out of our mouths matters. Because especially if we call ourselves followers of Christ, he has called us to tame our tongue, to, to speak clearly the things of the gospel, think things, speak things that are encouraging and helpful and building up and not tearing down. So he uses some examples here this morning, and I think it's helpful for us, and that's, I've always loved that about the Word of God, how the Word of God reveals things to us and helps us to understand things in ways that we can see them visually, like giving illustrations in our imagination and helping us to see things clearly. So he gives us three specific ones here this morning. The first one is the horse with the bit. So I, I'm hoping that maybe all of us with one of these illustrations will have a good understanding of this idea of, of the tongue and how powerful it can be. So he begins by using this vivid illustration here of the idea of the horse and the bit in verse 3 there. If, if we put bits into the mouth of horses so, they, so that they obey us, we guard, guard their whole bodies as well. So when we have that bit in the mouth that's, that's tied, it's part of with the rein and you're pulling on the horse to s slow it down or you're trying to get it to speed up, you're trying to get it to do what you want it to do, you, it, it, it's a powerful tool. But it's a very small tool, right? It's not a big thing. And in the sake of the, of the span of all the ever things that you're using with a horse when you're trying to train a horse and building up a horse, the bit is a very small part of that. But that small part has a very important part to play in being able to tame that horse and get that horse to do what you want it to do. In the same way, James gives us this example here to remind us of how the tongue is a small part of our body, but it has a very powerful 
part to play in who we are and what we do as image bearers of Christ, and image bearers of, of God. So it's a very small instrument and a small part of our body, but it can do so much good and it can do so much damage at the same time. So there's the first example, the idea of the horse and the bit in the mouth, the small part that you can help a horse obey what you want it to do. This, the, the second one is in verse 4. Look at the ships also. They are so large, right? Big, gigantic. You could think of like a big cargo ship or just a, a big uh, a ship that you can think of in your mind. They are so large and driven by a strong wind. But what guides them? Not a very big piece in the, in the sake of the, the uh, span of the, the largeness of the ship, but the rudder in the back of the ship is the thing that is guiding it, is it's moving it and back and forth and forward and speed and that kind of thing. The rudder has a huge part to play in how that ship is moving. In the same way, our tongue is yet a small member, but it boasts of many great things. That rudder of the ship, the bit in the mouth of the horse, good examples of a small thing that are a big part of those things working properly. And then lastly, of the examples that he gives here is the forest in verse 5. So the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. So you think about it. I, I, I've uh, driven in places like maybe like Yosemite National Park in California or other places in the country where you've seen the devastation of one person leaving their campfire and not putting it out at night and what happens to it. It sets this gigantic fire, a forest fire that thousands of acres burned and it just takes down all those trees and just it looks awful, it's bare, it doesn't look right. Just by one small campfire not being put out, look at the big forest fire that comes out of that. So how great a forest is set ablaze by just such a small fire is a reminder to us it's a vivid imagery pointing out the damage that can be done by our words, the things that we speak, the things that we say. It could ruin relationships. It could represent their unrighteousness in our hearts. It can ruin the course of our life because Satan is directing us, our tongues, to act in a way that is un, it's not honoring to God. So do you get the seriousness yet of what James is telling us about our words? Right? He's telling us how much our words can do damage. So it's, we're being called this morning to tame our tongue. And honestly, the world would tell us that we are in charge of our words. We can speak and say what we want. We are our own authority. We don't need to worry about what other people think about what we say. We can do whatever we want. The dangerous possibility of that, though, is that because of our sin, because of our sin nature, we are often going to say things that are hurtful and damaging and not honoring to God. So where is it this morning that you struggle with this? Where is it that you need to tame your tongue? Where is it that your tongue is like the, the blazing fire that is a small thing but is setting things like a forest ablaze? Where are the things that, are, that you need to work on with your own speech? Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's the way that you speak about other people when other people aren't around. Maybe it's foul language. Maybe it's some of the words that you actually say that are not honoring to God. Maybe it's uh, overabundant use of sarcasm. And then one that we have to talk about in this world today, right, is our online speech. Maybe some of you struggle with the things that you post, the things that you say online, the way you respond to other people. So what is it this morning that you are struggling with? 
what is it that you need to work on to tame your tongue? Because I would have to, I would venture to say, and I, I would say this with certainty, that we all struggle in some way in the way that we speak. So we need to work on this. What temptations are you facing this morning that you need to, to confess and talk to other people about and get accountability when it comes to your speech? But I, I had the um, temptation to title my sermon today, Shut Your Mouth. But I decided that I didn't really think that that was the purpose of this sermon. Because the Bible tells us that we are image bearers of God. And what is one of the greatest things about being an image bearer? Is that we communicate, we talk, we speak. The, the Bible in this passage isn't telling us, that it's not, we're not being called to just be quiet. It's telling us to tame our tongues. It's telling us that, of course, there are times that we need to be quiet, right? There's some times where we just should not speak. We tell that to our children all the time. There's just times, sometimes where we, we shouldn't speak. But there are a lot of times where we should speak, and it's learning to season our speech with grace and with salt and doing it in a way that is honoring to God. I think about a story that I, I heard uh, from a sermon years ago. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a pastor talking about his own life and how he had remembered one day when he, uh, years ago where he was giving us, he gave this really powerful sermon and just really felt like people were engaged, people were listening, people were really telling him afterwards all the things that, that were, they were challenged and encouraged by from his sermon. And then five minutes later when he left the church, somebody cuts him off on the highway and he's cursing him, yelling at him, getting really upset. And he realized how much and how powerful our tongue is, our speech. How one minute he was preaching the word of God and telling people about Jesus, and then, then five minutes later, somebody cuts him off and he's cursing them. And we know that's true, right? We know it's true that how easy it is for us to one minute be saying kind words and say nice things, and another we're angry and we're saying something that is dishonoring to God. We often, one moment, are, are encouraging a person, next minute we're talking and gossiping about that other person. We're spewing anger and vitriol and sinful things as we said something encouraging, and then we're posting on somebody else's page how upset we are about something that they said or political view that they have. So James reminds us this morning of the power of our speech and how we are to strive to tame our tongues. Let's further on in the passage here. Verse 7. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can, be, can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought to be not, not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. I have um, had the opportunity to take our kids several times to the St. Louis Zoo. And when you're at the St. Louis Zoo, you can see all kinds of different types of animals. It's one of the, the best zoos I've ever been in, just all kinds of animals. But you think of the fact that so many of those animals that are in there, some of them have been tamed by humans. Some of them they can't quite do that as well with. But if you were to see those animals in their wild habitat in Africa, 
in South America, wherever, even America, where they might come from. They would just be wild and living their life uh, as animals as they are. And that, that's the, what he's telling us about our tongue, about our speech today. We, we are like every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature that can be tamed, be tamed and be tamed by mankind. The difference is our tongue cannot be. As humans, he's saying pretty clearly, you can't tame it. Because of the sin nature, because of who we are, we cannot tame the tongue. Because what does it say it is? Two things. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. That's, that's pretty strong words, right? It's, it's saying it very closely, those two things right there, that, we are, it is, um, that it's a restless evil and it's full of deadly poison, those two things. Think of the restless evil. It means that it's, it's, it's pulling at you. It's, it's constantly tempting you. It's trying to get you to, to do the wrong thing. And that's what our mouths do, our speech. We are always tempted to say things that are hurtful and wrong and sinful. It's always going to be a temptation for us to, to lash out at our kids or get angry if somebody cuts us off on the highway. It, it's easy for us to have that restless evil. It's con- constantly pushing at us and pulling at us. It's hard to restrain like a wild animal. And secondly, it said the word deadly poison. Another strong, vivid illustration of the tongue and the mouth in our speech. The things that come out of our mouth can poison situations, can poison relationships, and can poison our relationship with the Lord and to the point where we are hurting other people by our speech. So we understand this morning that it is a very difficult thing for us to control our speech. Even as followers of Christ, the sin nature is still there, so it is always going to be a struggle for us to be able to continually have the speech that God wants us to do. We are going to be tempted over and over again by that restless evil and that deadly poison that could come out of our mouth. But just like I said with the pastor in that illustration earlier, what is God calling us to? Consistent speech. We're going to fail. We're going to struggle. We're going to make mistakes with our speech. We're going to lash out. We're going to get angry. We're going to gossip. We're going to do those things. And each of us is prone in a certain way to sin more in one, in one of those ways with our speech. But just like with that pastor in illustration, he's calling us to consistent speech. He doesn't want us to preach the word of God or talk about Jesus or encourage somebody and five minutes later yelling at people or cursing them. He desires for us to have consistent speech. Verse 9, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. That's not shout how, how it should be. That's what he says in verse 10. It should not be this way, my brothers. He calls us to consistent speech. And consistent speech can be in lots of different ways again. I, I'd encourage you as parents with your children to work to strive to have consistent speech with them. There's, it doesn't mean there's not times that you shouldn't be firm and discipline and do those things, but we should also season our conversations with our children with grace and a reminder to them that they will see a, a model of what it means to follow Christ with their own speech. It, it, it could be things of political conversations. It could be conflicts with other people that you have, maybe even within the church or within your family or those things. We are challenged by James here to look for more consistent speech. No longer should our speech be so inconsistent that people can't even tell that we have an identity in Christ. And some of you this morning might be, might be saying that, you know, it sounds good. This is good. I think this is what I should be doing. But I, I, don't, know, I don't know how to do this. My, it says here, 
that it, it's almost it's basically impossible to get rid of that restless evil and that deadly poison that that challenge us and tempt us all the time. But I want us to be reminded this morning that we are not on our own in this fight. With with the fight of our speech, we are not alone. As followers of Christ, we have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, that is guiding us and shaping us and mold us. I'm not promising you that you're, if you're struggling with a certain area of speech this morning, that it's going to be a change overnight. But I am telling you that you do have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, that is growing you day by day, and you need to allow him to. It also means you might need some accountability. You might need some people to challenge you on the things that you're posting online or the way that you speak or the way you talk about other people. You might need accountability from a spouse or a good friend or somebody that can help you to work on those things. So uh, I encourage you this morning that you might be struggling with, with speech, but you aren't alone. The Holy Spirit is there with you. He is guiding you. He will help you. He'll help you work through those things. I like the illustrations that he gives again, and, and James just does a really good job in this passage of helping us to understand what does it mean to have that consistent speech, or what does it look like that our tongues don't live that out? So again, he uses a couple of illustrations there in verse 11. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening fresh and salt water? Is that even possible? No, it's not possible for fresh and salt water to come out of the same spring. In the same way, we shouldn't be seeing a consistent basis good speech and bad speech coming out, our tongues being encouraging and then the next minute being inconsistent by our vitriol that's coming out of our mouth. In verse 12, could a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, right? Those things can't produce each other. Those things can't do it. It's a fig tree that does not bear olives and a grapevine cannot produce figs. Lastly, neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. That's the way that we should think about this morning, our speech. That's the way we should think about the way that we live our lives in the way that our, our tongues are represented. That it should be so visible to people that we have an identity of Christ because of the way that we speak, how consistent that our speech is. And so our challenge this morning is to really think about what the way that we talk, our speaking, it's going to be hard. It's, it's not easy, right? We know that in the moment when we're angry, when we're upset, or we want to talk about somebody, it's very easy to give into it. But we are called this morning to work, to work with this, because our words do matter, and he desires for us to tame our tongue. If you would flip your Bibles over to James chapter 5, I wanted to cover one other verse uh, that kind of goes parallel with this. Um, and so that, we're going to go to James chapter 5 and just read one verse to, to help us to see another part of this idea of taming the tongue. You know, interesting enough, uh, when I was speaking, I was uh, just with the students at Eureka High School, this, I think it was this past Wednesday at FCA, and this, the young lady that was speaking was asking the question at the beginning for us to talk in our small groups, what is it? that helps you to decide who your friends are. And I was kind of astonished at how many of the students talked about that they wanted friends that were transparent and honest. I, I was pretty surprised that that was one of the top things I kept hearing both in the group I was in and then in some of the other groups, that people were really looking for honesty and transparency in, in their friend group. 
So as we skip over two chapters here to chapter 5, we find a verse that I think helps us parallel the idea of taming our tongues and our words. So just read uh, James 5.12 with me. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. So you see here in this passage, it's talking about oaths, how we are... We are called to have our yes be yes and our no be no. And this passage, you might think when you're reading it, that it says that we shouldn't ever take any oaths. And I, I would say that in most cases as Christians, we probably shouldn't even have to take oaths because of what we just read in chapter 3. Because if we are, if our speech is honest and consistent, people are going to see that we are Christians and they won't even need to have, we won't even need to take oaths because people will trust us that much that our speech is yes and yes and when we say our no and no that we really mean that. But there, are, there may be times where we um, would take an oath, um, and I think it kind of harkens back to what Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 5, where he talks about not taking oaths. Um, and I think Jesus' point in that passage also is that our speech is so consistent and so strong and rooted in identity in Christ that people wouldn't even need to hear our oaths because they trust our speech already. They, they trust what we say is our word, and we're going to follow through with that. So I think Jesus is kind of saying the same thing in that passage as well. So James is, is calling us to an action-based faith here. Remember we talked about last week the idea of faith without works is dead. So one of the ways we can live out James 2, 14 through 26 is by uh, not taking oaths in haste. And then when we say we are going to do something, our yes, or if we say we're not going to do something, no, that we actually are consistent in backing that up. Again, there, not, there might be a few moments in our lives where the Holy Spirit directs us a different way, but when we say yes, we stand by it. And if we say no, we stand by it. It's consistency. We see it with parenting. We see it with our Christian life. And we see it here in this passage that we are called to have consistent speech, our yes be yes and our no be no. Because you know what? The world's watching us as Christians. And if we are not being consistent by our speech, if we are not being consistent by living by the word that we give, our yes be yes and our no be no, we're not being a very strong witness. It's that idea of integrity. It's integrity in the workplace. It's integrity in our family relationships with our friends, with our people, that we are consistent in our speech, our yes be yes, our no be no, and we have integrity. It is worth it for us to stand by what these passages are calling us to this morning. It's going to be easy to be tempted by the world and tempted by other people to, to gossip and slander and vitriol and anger to come out in our speech. But God calls us to something different. We are called to consistent speech and to tame our tongues and for us to root our identity in Christ. Because where does our speech come from? When we, is it just randomly just coming out of our mouth? It isn't, right? Our speech is coming from here. It's what's in our hearts. What's coming out of our mouths is what's here. And so what we need to do is we need to root our hearts, our identity in Christ. And this will allow us to fight the temptation to want to speak in a way that's dishonoring to God. So if you really want to get to the root of the problem this morning, it's our hearts. It's where our hearts are at. And what, do we t what we've talked about as Christians, we are new creations. And just as much as our hearts can be redeemed, so can our speech. 
we, we can be forgiven of the things that we've done in the past. Hopefully, other Christians, if you've sinned against them with your speech, that they would forgive you. But the Lord forgives us for our speech, and he wants to redeem us through our hearts and through our speech. I want to read um, from this, this book on, it's called Way With Words. It's a book um, talking about speech both online and in person. So I want to read this, the expert here that will help us understand this. It may seem at times that stewarding our communication, especially the, the easy and free way we communicate online, is next to impossible. We may say with James, who can tame this beast? But we should remember that both destructive half-truths in the Garden of Eden were not the final word. Jesus, God's final word, has spoken a word over those who have turned to him in faith. He declares in his word that we are justified and we are transformed. Jesus has conquered that unruly, death-dealing beast and has given us God's Holy Spirit to help us tame our tongues and our thumbs. That's powerful words, right? I, I just think so much that we, we know that we struggle in this area or other areas of our life, and we forget that we have a Savior that has died for us, and he has taken those sins, even of the tongue, of the mouth, of the speech, of our, of our hearts. He has taken them and put them on the cross. They have been redeemed. They've been forgiven. So confess to the Lord this morning where you're struggling with this idea of taming your tongue and your speech. Our hearts need to change that will allow for our speech to change. Let us live in freedom this morning that we can speak in a way that brings glory to God. James says we can't tame that beast, but I wanted to be reminded that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we can tame that beast. We can have speech that glorifies God. We can live for him in a way where people can see Christ through our hearts that comes out through our words. So let us move from here this morning in a way that brings honor to our God in our speech. Let's tame our tongues because our words do matter. Would you pray with me? Lord, Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the opportunity to gather together this morning to sit around your word, to be reminded of the power that comes in our words through our speech, through our tongues, and how such a small part of our body has so much of a bearing on our lives. Lord, I want to thank you first that we do have the opportunity to speak, that as image bearers of you, that you've given us a way to clearly communicate with one another. But Lord, because of, your, because of our sin nature, uh, it leads us astray so many times. We desire to gossip and slander and be angry and say things that are hurtful. So Lord, forgive us of those areas that we struggle with. Lord, forgive us for those ways that we have not bring, bring honor to you in the way that we speak. Guide us, Lord, towards speech that is gracious, honoring to you, and honoring to other people that are image bearers like us. Lord, help us to know that we are not alone in this battle. Just like with anything else, Lord, we have your Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. We have your revealed word that helps us to understand. 
Lord, there, there are so many passages of Scripture. The, the Proverbs 15 one we read this morning, so many places in Scripture that remind us to tame our tongues and to redeem those words that we speak. So, Lord, help us to understand we're not alone in this because of your spirit, because you revealed word, because of Jesus, what you have done for us. And, Lord, I pray that this church and the individuals in this church will be known for the fact that their speech is consistent. Their yes is yes and their no is no. And the way that they speak about other people and the way that they speak in general is, is honoring to you in a consistent way. But Lord, when we do fail, we, we run to your cross and we're thankful that you forgive us for our, our sin and our failings in this area. And Lord, help us to be reminded that we have grace upon grace every single day. Lord, I pray that we go here from, from here today rooting the sinfulness, desiring to, to root the sinfulness out of our heart, which is the driving force behind what we're speaking and saying. Lord, I pray that we will be consistent as a church in our speech of your gospel to each other and to the world around us. Because, Lord, you're, you desire for our speech to be redeemed and to be used in a way that brings deep, deep glory to you around the world. So, Lord, thank you for these things that you've challenged us with in your word. Lord, I'm thankful now that we have the grand opportunity to see to talk and see ladies that have been baptized and will be baptized this morning. Lord, I'm thankful for what you've done in their lives to change them. And Lord, I just pray that you'll be with both Caitlin and Adelaide in their life and that they will choose to continue to live for you in all the, way, day, the days and ways of their life. So be with us now as we have that time. And Lord, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be with my church family this morning. Help us to, to continue to worship you in, in different ways. We pray this in your great and gracious name. Amen.